Bridget and Scott, the Bruins fall to the Washington Capitals 5-4 to four at their last preseason game at home at the TD Garden. And it was a game where Bruins fans got their – unless I'm wrong, Scott, is the last game on the road? Yeah, last game's yeah. in New York. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, we got robbed of another preseason shootout, you know. Just one of, yeah. one of, the, one of the great time-honored traditions of preseason hockey shootouts. We did, and uh, unfortunately, that was because of a, uh, I mean, David Pasternak's Xbox controller uh, died in overtime. <laughs> he just didn't try to play defense, but um, there's there's a lot of takeaways from this game. I think we're starting to see which players are really making a strong case for themselves with, with the regular season um, just about a week away, I think. And obviously, Matt Patra continues to just raise eyebrows in a positive way. Um, it was also a homecoming of sorts, not an official because it's still the preseason, but it was a homecoming of sorts for Milan Lucic, his first game back in, in Boston as a Bruin in whatever it's been, eight years or so, seven, eight years. So Bridget and Scott, it was a very entertaining preseason game with the Capitals, not a defensive masterpiece. But uh, as I said earlier, there are some takeaways, some players that jump off the screen. And um, so, so for you guys, who, who do you want to discuss first? I mean, we might as well start with Matt Potrick because he's he's the story of this preseason. And on Tuesday, he was playing the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, he was the only Bruin player who uh, played both Monday and Tuesday. So, And that was a clear test, right? That's, hey, you're having a great camp so far. Like, here's, here's a test even above and beyond what everyone else is going to be tested with. And... You know, he was on a line with Brad Marsha and Trent Frederick. Thought they started pretty slow. They didn't really do a whole lot the first two periods of the game. Um, spent spent a lot of time in their own zone. Looked kind of sloppy, not a whole lot of chemistry. And then they uh, really picked it up in the third period. And that line started to get going, started to do some good things. And Patra scores the game-tying goal to make it 4-4 on a great play coming out of the corner. He spins off Evgeny Kuznetsov, a proven, you know, number one center in the NHL, and drives to the net and beats Darcy Kemper. So even on a night where he didn't have his best game and wasn't, you know, as dominant or or as noticeable as the first three preseason games, he still ends up doing something that makes a difference. Um, you know, he, Jim Montgomery after the game gave him credit for, you know, acknowledged, Hey, yeah, he lost some battles tonight, but gave him credit for bouncing back and then winning a battle and just continuing to compete. He had a shift in the third period. That was almost two minutes where he kind of got stuck out there, blocked a shot. He was hobbling around and it's like, yeah. Okay. There was I a did- point that I thought he was hurt and I was like, Oh, yeah. that's not good. Well, it, you know, it was, it was definitely a sting- stinger. Like he, he, I'm sure he has a pretty good bruise because he he blocked that shot and was like clearly hobbled for a few seconds. Um, but he he fights through that, finishes the shift, and it's like he's he's clearly going all out. He's brought the effort all preseason. Um, you want to know and- how you know he was going all out when we talked to him post game? He was the sweatiest person I've ever seen. It looked like a full bottle, like a full Gatorade container was thrown on top of him. He was just. He was gassed, but he was so happy. Like he, uh, when we talked to him, because he said 
Go I think fun. Charlie Coyle's the only one who can compete with him in the uh, the the sweaty out of breath post game interview. Oh my department. goodness! Yeah, that was. I mean, but he was happy as can be because he knows he made a good impression, right? I don't know if there was much more he could have done in this preseason to make the impression he wanted to. I think he showed that he's not only a playmaker, he can score. That third period for him was a big one. And it's if this is the last game of preseason that he's in and your last impression of him was that third period and that goal that he had, that was a really nice goal, taking it to the net, like you mentioned, against Kuznetsov, who's a great NHL player. If that's the lasting impression that you make with two goals and two assists in the preseason – then he's pretty much done everything he could have wanted to. Um, And like you mentioned, he played in the back-to-back. He said he was feeling a little bit fatigued in the first two periods, but he got a second wind in the third period. And uh, you could tell that line did pick it up in the third. And and he played, he started overtime um, on out there on a line with McAvoy and Marshawn or Pasternak. It was, he was the very first shift in three on three. And he also got another shift after that. So, he, they were putting him in all situations. He was penalty killing at one point. He was on the second power play unit. They were trying him all over the place. And uh, I guess maybe trying to see what potentially he could bring. Uh, it, it popped into my head too. If he's your third line center, which we'll get into our roster projections. But if he is your third line center, you need your third line center to be able to kill penalties. So they had him out there on the penalty kill a little bit, even though he's probably, that's one of the, places he probably needs to improve you do need to get minutes from him there especially you're, you're going to want to keep your uh first and second line centers fresh and however we know that Zaka and Coyle are both really good penalty killers so I it, it just popped into my head what how they're going to use their centers on the penalty kill this this season because it'll, it'll be different than last year but um Brian I, I guess we'll just get your thoughts on Patra too before we get into our roster projections and some of the other guys that we think are making a strong case yeah, I mean, I think I've seen Patra in all facets of the game, uh, not just look not out of place, but look like he's he's making a difference. And, you know, five on five, penalty kill, power play. I think the penalty kill, it's, sometimes it's tougher. It's it's really impressive that Brad Marchand has been such a strong penalty killer throughout his career, simply for the fact that not being a long, a long body or a long stick. So penalty kill five and five in the power play. Patra has just really excelled and he's a gamer. I mean, he's, he's somebody who you can just tell he wants the game on his stick. He wants to make a difference. He's not, he's not intimidated by the moment or who's lining up across from him. And I'm just, you know, I, I think earlier on in camp, it's, it's quick how, how uh, it's funny how quick everybody's just changed their tone, like from, well, it's just one game, you know, he, it's probably better off to send him down to the minors, um, back to back to um, uh, juniors, and then it's like three games later, it's like, yeah, pencil him in on the second line, and it's like, <laughs> I you know I I don't disagree with the latter. I'm just saying it's funny how like people are like, eh, it's just one game, send it back to the juniors, but after three games, yep, second line center. It's like, well, why why were you so like pessimistic on him after like the first game? It's just again, it's people I just think like, it's- oh, heard, you know. But, but like I, expectations I, like the bar was not high and all of a sudden he just keeps moving the bar right we're like maybe fourth line center maybe third line center maybe second line center like he just keeps right. moving the bar up and up because he wasn't someone that we came in with knowing a lot about thinking i mean he's young so he's plenty of time to develop and then all of a sudden he's been the one pushing the goal post and uh i think he's 
certainly an NHL player right now. Um, he needs to get the nine games, and I think he's sticking on the roster this season. Um, if we want to do the projections or or what, but he, I've said this to pretty much everyone I was talking to on the ninth floor. He's not going to get anything out of going back to juniors. So put him on the team. Uh, doesn't hurt your cap situation. So what if you have to cut an extra guy that maybe, you know, you was a free agent signing like Boquist or, you know, or maybe it was, it's Greer, like whomever you think you need to cut to give him space on the roster, do it. Because if those guys haven't impressed you or haven't carved out a role from them for themselves yet, uh, this this kid has has done that for himself. Yeah, I'll, I'll push back on one thing because I I think he could get something out of going back to juniors. Like he and we've talked, we've touched on it. He I don't has think to he shoot. can get as much out of it. This is that'd be a big uh, like a harder learning curve, but way bigger of a jump that he could make professionally. Yeah, I just mean he he has to shoot more, like for sure. And he's going to have more time and space to do that in the OHL than the NHL. So you want that to be a focus of his game. He, the one area that you can't mimic in OHL is obviously like holding up against bigger, stronger, more physical competition, but you can work on, you know, getting stronger in in the OHL rather than trying to do that um, during an NHL season. And he so he was used a little bit on the penalty kill for Guelph last year, from what I understand, but wasn't a regular part of it. So that would be another thing to add to his plate there, because even though the Bruins have used him on it in the preseason, I don't think he'd be part of their penalty kill in the regular season. I could be wrong about that, but I, I see at least six forwards ahead of him for it. Um, all that said, yeah, absolutely. Keep him for the nine games. Like see how that goes. We've seen, how much of a strong impression he's made in four preseason games. And Bridget, as you mentioned, he might play a fifth or he might not. They have one game left on Thursday. Um, but yeah, that nine game sample that you can keep him in the NHL without burning a year of his entry level contract. Even Jim Montgomery said it, it's like extended training camp. It just gives you an extra chance to, to keep taking a look at him. Um, and yeah, it means you cut one more person, but so be it. To me, that the payoff of keeping him around is it greatly outweighs potentially losing someone on waivers. And you know, as far as like going from or you know the way he's built up over camp, when I did my first roster projection last week, I didn't have him on. I had him just off. Said he was very close, but the reason I didn't put him on yet was because I thought he needed to keep it going and finish as strong as he started. Montgomery has talked about that. He said the guys who end up making the team are the ones who get better and better as camp goes on. And, you know, the ones who finish strong guys who start strong and have a great first week and then fade. They're not making the NHL team. They're going to Providence or juniors or waivers. So he's done that. He has absolutely kept it going and has finished as strong as he started has gotten better as tightened areas up. So yeah, for me, he he's absolutely on the opening night roster. Um, as far as where you put him, you know, I think 
we talked we've talked about potentially taking that third line center job because Morgan Geeky hasn't exactly run away with it and it seems to be there for the taking. On the roster projection I posted Wednesday morning, I have him on the second line with Marchand and DeBrusque, or you know, if you want to call that one one A with the Zaka Pastanak JVR line, then whatever. But um because to me his skill set the the better the wingers he's with, the more you're going to get out of him because he's a high end playmaker. And so the more talented the wingers that he's getting the puck to, to me, that the the more you're producing, the more you're scoring as a team. Not that he couldn't succeed if Trent Frederick and Morgan Geeky or Jesper Boquist or, you know, Danton Heinen are his wings. Like, he could. But I feel like Coyle fits that kind of situation better where, like, you're going to ask that line to do some dirty work to hold on to the puck. Uh, you know, we've seen it from Coyle his whole time here. He's, he's a good third line center. I think what Patra could do with Martian and DeBrusque with wingers like that is going to make you a better team because he's going to be getting them the puck in positions to score. And now all of a sudden you have a line that can make some high end plays and isn't, you know, with Coyle, I think that becomes more of a workmanlike line with Marchand DeBrus, which isn't a bad thing, but I feel like putting Potra there it could really get the most out of his talents. And obviously, if it doesn't work, then you can slide him down or try something else. Yeah, I think the one knock I would say for Potra being on that line with Marchand and DeBrus. Uh, and it's not a hindrance. I'm not not doing a line because of it. It's just an observation is that it's a smaller line in stature. And I think that, you know, if that were to be a line that were to work out for them long term, that's awesome. Um, they would just have to be weary of not getting up muscled as a line or, or knocked off the puck. That said, Marshand is one of the best puck protectors in the league for any size and stature, let alone his. And I think Patra has shown the uh, the tenacity and the workmanship that that you need as an NHL player in general, but especially as somebody who's a little bit undersized. So they don't have the natural size, but what they lack in size, those two players have in in competitiveness, and that's that's huge. So I think that having Potra with DeBrusque and Marshan, and then Zaka with with Pasternak and Van Riemsdyk, I think that's the closest emulation you could have to like kind of what the Bruins had last year as far as line structure like I think I think having the ability to to slot Charlie Coyle back on a third line to start the year with Geeky and Frederick or you know Frederick whomever um Heinen but like we, we've seen Heinen and, and, and Coyle have chemistry four years ago five years ago whatever it was so it's like whatever the case may be neither one of us on this podcast thought that the Bruins could enter the season with Coyle and or Zaka being a 3C. So you've just slotted people. And yes, you're putting a lot of eggs in a 19-year-old's basket. But from what we've all seen, like there's a there's a much higher offensive ceiling for that line of Marshan, DeBrusque, and Patra as there is with Marshan, DeBrusque, and Coyle. Like Coyle has a higher floor than Patra probably this this season, but the upside for Patra is just it's very evident. And I, I really do think, you know, 
I've never once questioned Zaka's ability and JBR's ability to play with Pasternak. I, I, I think that no matter who Pasternak plays with, they'll score. And you saw Zaka play with him all last year, and JBR, as we saw last night, he can keep up, right? And he actually, Scott, I, I won't, I won't, uh, you know, take your your point on JBR. I'll let you say that later. But I am not, I have not been worried about the combination of Pasternak, Zaka, and whomever, right? I have been nervous about the combination of Marshand, Coyle, and DeBrusque. It just doesn't. I know people say Coyle has a two-way game that's kind of like Bergeron. Obviously, we know it's not apples to apples. I just, I don't know. I'm a little bit like weary of that combination. I don't. I think they're going to struggle to score five on five unless they just get a ton of, you know, production from the back end when they're on the ice. Patra just has that natural ability to create things and to create scoring chances and drive to the net. And and, and his vision is amazing. And and as we saw last night, he takes pucks to the net. Um, Scott, I, I I know what you said about him having to shoot more and maybe that could be a benefit to going back down to juniors. That said, you can go down to juniors and learn how to shoot more. But when you get to the NHL level, that pace of play is such a dramatic increase that it's almost like you have to relearn how to do it. That's so my point. that was my point. But, but, but what Scott's saying is valid too. It, it, like I'm not discrediting what you're saying. I just think, I guess what I'm saying is like to Bridget's point, I think the most valuable development is his ability to, adapt to the NHL pace of play. And of course you can only do that at the NHL level. Um, but this is, this development is amazing. Like having a second line center, not be named coil or, or Zaka is something that's just like, it just, things start to slide into, into place more. And um, there's more roster personnel to, decisions to, 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 that we can discuss in this podcast, but sh- certainly Patra has made things very interesting and his, his development and emergence is kind of, sliding people into their natural positions right now. Yeah. I mean, he's been somebody that we were that after every game, we're like, can we talk to Matt Patra? Um, uh, he has been the interest of all, all the media attention, but even around the city, people who are just hearing and tuning in and maybe kind of thought the Bruins were going to not be worth watching this year. And then all of a sudden there's this excitement with a young center that's doing things that, uh, has us thinking he could even be a, a top two center even in his first year in the NHL. And when you think about like making a comparison from Bergeron, I think Zaka and Bergeron are probably the closest comparison that you can make. Zaka's game is more similar to Bergeron's on the power play, um, the way he plays the bumper, just his two-way style of play, I think is pretty similar to Bergeron. And then we kind of get to see these flashes of Patra looking a little bit like Krejci and being that kind of playmaker, non-physical playmaker that thinks the game at a different speed than other people. And that's, that is something that you, you can't really teach. And that is something that uh, if you can do that at an NHL level, then you're, you know, you're set up for success. And as night, and he's going to be 19 until March, I believe. So he's going to be, um, a teenager for a majority of the season if he sticks around. Um, I like him on the second line better than the third line. I thought – I'm not sure how well of a fit – I mean, it was a small sample size, obviously. And he played with Frederick, and he liked playing with Frederick, um, according to what he said after the game. But Frederick's not Jake DeBrusque. 
Frederick is not getting open the way that Jake DeBrus gets open. Frederick, it, you know, it's a totally different style of player that if you have him next to, you're opening up more offense for that second line. And no, no knock on Charlie Coyle at all, but he already, we already seen what he can do with Trent Frederick and we've liked the chemistry they've had in the past. So if you're able to keep that together and uh, see that Patrick can handle second line center and uh, who knows hiccups could be coming. Uh, if we're saying like, in, if he does get the nine games, like who knows, maybe he doesn't do as well as he did in the preseason in those, but I haven't seen anything that makes me think he wouldn't be able to handle it. Um, and he's going to get flexibility to make a few mistakes here and there. So uh, I don't, I, if you go read Scott's roster projections, he lists all his reasons, but um, in terms of the top six, I do agree with that. And then to get to who now doesn't make the cut and who does. Well, make the cut. just to round out a couple closing thoughts, um, you know, it's, you make like the Zaka as kind of more, you know, at least a facsimile of Bergeron in terms of style. Potter, I've made that crazy comparison before as well. So like, it's a little odd then that we're, you know, we're putting, it's like, well, Pasenak liked being with Krejci, but we're going to give him the, you know, the Bergeron type center. And Martian's always been with Bergeron, but we're giving him the new Krejci. Um, but I think that makes all sense in the hey, world. perfection because... line. There was the, the perfection line. What about the perfection yeah. line? That that encompassed all of them back. And that was a good line for a long time. So, yeah, I, I just like, I think the, the way we have it lined up, though, makes all sense in the world because one, Pasanak and Zaka do already have chemistry. And I think on a line where Pasanak and Vin Reams like other wings, you want a center who already knows the system, especially defensively, and is going to be able to to do that work in the D zone. Because, you know, as we know, Pasanak can sometimes, um, you know, drift in and out a little bit defensively. Uh, JVR, I think, is probably a better defensive player than than people might realize or, or know. But it's not, you know, it's not contending for Selkies. Um, and then with Patra, it's like you want to give him wingers who you know can help him out defensively and help, you know, lift him up there. And Marchand obviously can. And I think DeBrusque has made big strides, especially since getting put on a line with Bergeron and Marchand. Um, you know, earlier in his career, like when DeBrusque get moved down the lineup or healthy scratch, it was always because of defensive stuff. It was like, he would, you know, he would just kind of lose focus, not pick up his guy, whatever. And that has almost been completely beaten out of his game over the last year. Plus one of the challenges to him is now keep that going. Like, especially if you're going to, especially if he does end up with Patra as a center, it's like you want Montgomery, Chris Kelly, whoever, like really driving home for, for DeBrusque that like, Hey, you're now one of the guys to count on. Like the, the same way, you know, Bergeron and Martian helped you out. Like it's up to you and, and Martian to help Potter out now. So um, you, you hope he embraces that and doesn't, you know, doesn't allow any of those good habits to slip just because Bergeron's not next to him anymore. Um, but yeah. And, you know, on coil, like it kind of, it, it would kind of suck for him. Like, uh, you know, he's been preparing all summer. Like he's going to be a top two center. We talked to him a few days ago and he said that, you know, that he was looking forward to that opportunity and, you know, you played your whole career hoping to end up in a role like this. And 
you know, it, I'm sure there'd be some disappointment if he's immediately getting put right back on the third line, but he's also, you know, he's a pro's pro. And I think, you know, I think he would have after maybe, you know, an afternoon where he's feeling a little down or whatever, I think he'd have the right attitude. Um, and I think yeah, he'd understand. Like think, about, think about the, the line last year where Taylor Hall is on your third line and Charlie Coyle's on your third line. And you're talking about players that, uh, knew they were playing further down in the lineup than maybe they could have been in other places, but they were completely happy, like content with it and, and were very mature about it. Um, Charlie Coyle is a very mature hockey player, the same way Taylor Hall is. So the, the concept is already understood that you go where you're going to help the team best. And I don't think there's hard feelings about that. And Charlie, I don't think Charlie Coyle would have hard feelings about it. I agree. I think for sure, like you go into a summer and you, you, you see all the headlines, you see the writing on the wall, Krejci gone, Bergeron gone, Coyle, Zaka, right? And at the last hour, I'm sure Charlie Coyle, just like the rest of us, were kind of like, oh, shit, who is this kid? Like he's, but he's like, a, a NHL caliber player at 19. Like he, this kid actually like, hmm, is he like, is he competing for a top six center role right now? Uh Cause, cause, but like, it should be like a happy, oh shit. Like, oh shit. We yeah. might actually be better this year than I, than we thought we were on I paper. Think, like, I think it's, yeah, I think it's probably an ego blow when you acknowledge that you're better on paper and at your own expense, not being higher in the lineup. Um, I'm sure he is. I, I'm you guys mentioned that he's a pro's pro and, um, Look, Charlie Coyle's 30, 31 years old. Like he's been around for a long time. It's like, he's had time to prove himself as a top two center. Um, you know, in Minnesota, he had some cracks at the can, uh, you know, in Boston before Hall kind of took that spot, they gave him a shot. So it's not like, it's like, oh, what was me with him? Like he's had opportunity for sure. None bigger than what was about to happen this year. Um, and look, NHL seasons are long. There are going to be slumps individually and team wide. There's going to be injuries. And I'm sure there's going to be times where Zaka's with Martian. And I'm sure there's times where Patra's with Pasternak. I'm sure there's times where Coyle's with both. Like it's so there's ebbs and flows. We've learned that whatever the opening night lineup is, you know, it's always it's always going to fluctuate based on different intangibles. So, but yes, I'm sure it's a little disheartening. But at the same time, okay, like let's he's going to be a big part of this team, regardless, you know. And uh, and and, and uh, I'm sure he's going to be leaned on and on defensive assignments, not Patra. Right. Like maybe Patrick gets a lot of ozone face offs or you just who knows what happens here. So, um, but it, I'll tell you though, if you're the Bruins, it's a great problem to have because on it, like, like, like I said, Bruins management may have thought Patrick was a couple of years away. Um, and, and sometimes that's what happens. You burst onto the scene and, and you just, you just, nobody gives you anything um, in life. Certainly not when it comes to NHL roster spots, you kind of have to take it. And that's exactly what he's, what he's doing. Um, because we're not just we're not we're not at the point anymore where we're talking about him being a four C or even a three C and 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 um, shuffling geeky to the side or something like that. Like no no he's he's take he's taking uh, what we think speculating right now. We think he's about to take uh, a top two center role at least for nine games to start this year, which is really says a lot about him. And I think there's a lot of people that weren't paying attention to preseason hockey and might turn their TV on game one and go. Who the hell's number 51? Like he's playing alongside Marshawn. Like who is, if he keeps 51, I'm not sure. He might be able to change it once the season starts, if he actually makes the team. But 
Um, maybe he'll take. He's maybe wearing he'll, 51 right now. Maybe he'll take 37 before it's officially a raffle. <laughs> Probably not. He's 46. No. Um, <laughs> so who's this number 51, and what's his story, and how did he end up uh, as a 19-year-old making it? But I think he's going to be um, immediately accepted if he plays the way he did in preseason. Well, yeah, and you know, we all know better than to like judge any hockey talk by by sports talk radio but what? hey we, we we work for wei so you know we gotta gotta acknowledge it but it's like i'm gonna be I, on gresham for you thursday to make sure they know what the hell's going on i'm gonna good good um but yeah i mean like i've heard like i've first off you obviously don't hear a lot of preseason hockey talk and i totally get that like you, you know patriots are free falling and potential quarterback controversy and all like it's I understand why pre why preseason hockey doesn't quite make it into a primetime drive, but I've heard, I, I've heard Patra's name like pop up a couple of times and it's like, it's been met with dismissiveness of like, he's, he's not really going to make the team. And to, to your point, Bridget, it's like, yeah, I think people are kind of slow to, to catch on to this and realize that no, he's very much forcing his way onto at least the opening night lineup, at least that nine game sample. Um, and even, you know, it was interesting. Even last night, uh, Patra is in the starting lineup. So he gets announced to the crowd and not that like I expected him to get like as big of an ovation as Martian Olmark, who got by far the loudest, but I, I did think like his ovation was like kind of muted, you know, and it, it was like, it felt like even that crowd at the garden last night at the start of the game, wasn't like oh my god we're all in on you know patromania it was he like did get a, he did get a big cheer when he had a like a partial breakaway up the right side of the ice and but marshawn ruined it by being way offside it was gonna be a good yeah. scoring chance and all of a sudden everybody was like they're they're cheering well, for him as he was and then if, up. <laughs> yeah and then of course he scores and gets a huge, huge ovation for that but just saying like just going into the game it felt you know, you would think if like if the crowds really if like everyone's thrilled about, you know, this and, and part of it is like he wasn't their number one prospect as recently as this summer, right? And like it's, it's already a, been sent down. He's one right, of the for, for you know, for two years it's been all Lysel and Lorai. Lysel and Lorai. Those are the top two prospects. Those are their only two blue chip prospects. Those are the two untouchables and trades. It's it's been all of them, and it's like Patra has just been this very rapid growth and development as a player. And it feels like it might take until opening night for like people to actually realize like what's happening. I will say this podcast and I'm not talking tongue in cheek. Like we, we did take note of his, of his in real time of how he was doing in Guelph last year. And, and um, I'll speak for myself here. Like I definitely viewed him as at least a middle six center of the future for this Bruins team. Maybe that meant third line for his career. Maybe it meant second line or uh, I didn't know, but I did. I was confident enough in him as a prospect based on his watching him in, in juniors and, and keeping tabs on him. I, I definitely thought had confidence that the Bruins found a, a, a good NHL player in him in time, but I did not see it happening this fall at all and he still has to prove it in the regular season but Bridget you mentioned he's going to get some rope for sure he's going to get some rope I mean everybody gets rope in the NHL everybody makes mistakes um but he's going to learn from him and you know 
how good of a preseason has he had? He's had such a good preseason that he not only is about to win the Bruins' second-line center position, but I heard that Bill Belichick is making calls if he can throw a football. So that's how good of a preseason he's had. Two C by, two C by day, QB by night. So that's, that's stuff. He's Canadian. I don't know how much uh, they toss around a football up there. But you want to know how good he's had of a preseason? We're 32 minutes in, and he's the only player we've really talked about.